Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 6, Episode 19 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's slated to come out on November 20th, 2023, and this is the closest thing we got to Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving episode. Turkey Day is upon us. Uh, we have a turkey outside that's like an inflatable mm-hmm. called El Turco. His name is um, uh, Tomas El Turco Turkington, and he was a uh, hardened member of the Gobblers uh, up until uh, he had like some life-changing events, and now he's a children's celebrity. So, you know, there we you feel go. like we should represent El Turco in anything about Thanksgiving or fall time stuff. Um, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the Connecticut Valley uh, Brewing Campers Maple Stout. It's a 5% ABV um, maple syrup stout. It is by Connecticut Valley Brewing Company, and uh, they don't have any words on this. It is made with Hydeville Purple Maple Syrup from Sugar Shack, which I don't know what any of that is, but if you go to HydevilleSugarShack.com, I'm sure that you could order some of their maple syrup. That's um, such a sentence. <laughs> maple syrup from the Sugar Shack. Uh, anyways, you've had a few of these, a few sips of this, not a few, not a few of the drinks. Mm-hmm. So no, I, think? I really like this. Primary profile is maple syrup and coffee. Yeah. I mean, the, the alcohol is present. It's a little bit bitter after the sweetness goes away. But frankly, it's a really good dark stout. Like, very strong chocolate notes and coffee notes. And, you know, when I say chocolate, I mean, like, real, like, yeah. 90% cocoa sort of chocolate. Dark with, chocolate kind mm-hmm. of thing, yeah. Yeah, with, with that maple syrup on top, that is really good. I also get a little bit of stone fruit in it, um, which you've got a different shaped glass, so you may not get um, out of it. I didn't get that the first time I drank it, but I was also mm-hmm. eating this with chili around mm-hmm. a campfire. Well, close to a campfire. I was drinking this with chili that I was eating. I should correct that. I wasn't actually eating this <laughs> and pour it in the chili. Um, but um, I think the chili could have masked some of the stone fruit flavors too. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm not sure I'd nail it down to stone fruit, but it's definitely like a fall fruit. Like, you know, it's not like a berry. It's not light. It's yeah. like an aged apple or something, something like, like that. that. You know? uh, I mean, I could see that. Um, the reason I say stone fruit um, is just because it's got that darker, like, um, it's sweet, but it's not... It's not like a light sweetness like you get from like a mango or something like that, which mm-hmm. I guess mango might be a no mangoes aren't stone fruit, but like something that's got like a pit in it, like a uh, a tart cherry or something like that. Yeah, you know, a, a big plum, something like that. Actually, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a really dark purple plum that's very juicy. That kind of, and it's just a very slight hint of it, like. Right at the so like you you drink, you get the sweetness from the maple syrup, and then you start getting that chocolate right, like mm-hmm. it kind of comes in, and then the chocolate turns into the bitterness of the coffee, and as it starts to come back up on the end of the the flat, you just get that slight like it's it's like another return of the sweetness or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. I'm not sure I'd nail that as stone fruit, but like that description of the flavor profile is accurate. Yeah, yeah. So. Really good. Drink it around a campfire if you get a chance to, because it's pretty awesome like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a pretty good dark ale in general. Like, I, I wouldn't put it quite with a breakfast stout, because it's not quite creamy enough for that. But, I mean, you could have this at breakfast. 
Yeah, I don't think that they intended for it to be a breakfast stout, though. No, no, I don't think yeah. they did. I'm just saying, like, in that scope of of drinks, you know, there's certain things that, like, I would only have this in the morning, mm. where this is, like, a, I would probably predominantly have this in the evening, but I can yeah. have it in the morning. I could see me having this, so, with pancakes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more of, like, a pancake stout, I think, in many ways. It, do, it doesn't taste like pancakes, that's not what I mean. But, like, a pancake-adjacent stout like something you'd have with that, or French toast or something mm. like that. Uh, if you were having that, like, for dinner, or um, I could even, like, it went really well with the chili. Um, yeah. It, it's, it brought out, like, a sweetness that you don't normally get with things mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it was awesome. Yeah, and frankly, like, it would be good to include in a chili, because I always put a little bit of beer in my chili, and, you know, I go for a, a little bit of a sweeter chili. I do, like, mild Italian sausages yeah. instead of hot Italian. So like that would that would fit in pretty well. I agree. I think I think if you're making chili like that, uh, this would be a good one to include. Um, just overall, one of those like kind of beers that I drink and I have around. I think I would I'd keep a stock of this. I might even try to like make something that's similar to it at some point mm-hmm. in time. Uh, so yeah, two in a row. Go out and get them. Very well made. Yeah. Hits the flavor profile that it says it's got on it. What more could you ask for? I mean, we're kind of winning here. We're going to see what happens on our last beer of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I think that one's going to be good because I've had that one before. So I'd be really surprised if it isn't. Yeah, there you go. So let's talk about frenemies. Google and Apple and their search deal. Um now, normally we don't get into like the politics of things, and there's a little bit of politics involved here. I don't really care about the politics of this. I think it's fascinating the way that Google has stayed on top has not been by having a superior product, which is oftentimes mm-hmm. the way that things like that happen. And for a while there, they did. Um, they had a better search algorithm. They had some better things like that. But instead of innovating or trying to like – push themselves further they pay people like 18 billion dollars to um to like not create their own search engine which i mean if you look at google's assistant and you look at apple's assistant siri versus you know the one that you just you know call from saying okay and then the g Mm -hmm. word right yeah um none of them really nailed that no you know no, I was actually reading a great article not too long ago about that. Of they built these platforms with this idea behind like continuous monetization because you would be using it to buy products and you would download all these apps for it that could have like ads and things like that. And the average person really didn't go for that. No, you know, I've had um, an Alexa in my house for about as long as I've had my kid, I guess like six or seven years. Yeah. And I'm not sure I've ever done anything other than ask for the weather and set timers and yeah. alarms and stuff like that. Um, you know, little notes or reminders to myself. I don't want to buy anything for, I'm not gonna, ever going to buy an app for my no. Alexa. You or know. buy anything through it. You're not going to tell it, hey, you know, whatever, buy me a bag of jelly beans or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give it my payment information. Like, And I don't know really anybody who does. 
I know a bunch of people who have them and use it to different extents. Like you do a lot of hub automation through yours, but I don't think you're saying, Hey, you know, you know, Hey G word, go buy my groceries for me. No, definitely not. It's like, Hey, turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Hey, set a timer. Yep. Exactly. Hey, like Hey, my hands are full, you know, turn on some music or Hey, you know, whatever. Um, because it is useful for those things. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, we've gotten used to having those things around, so we don't think about how it would be useful for that anymore. Mm-hmm. After 10 years of having those sorts of things, but it, like, it never became conversational, which was kind of the way that it was played to be. Yeah. Uh, I know that is not the topic that we were talking about, but it is a good way of, like, kind of exhibiting the, this is not a technically superior product. Yeah, exactly. None of these were what they, they thought they would become when they, yeah. when they built the product. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Google's done that with, I think, most things they've acquired. Because, um, you know, the, I don't think the original developers of Google are still around. They got bought out, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong on that. But, you know, a, their claim to fame was they had the best indexing and they had the best search queries. Yeah. The, like you could find stuff very quickly, very accurately. The original search engine and uh, the indexing, the indexer, I think, mm-hmm. were two separate products. And they were bought by Google um, because Google was uh, Google was looking at doing uh, a search engine. And so they they had something, but then they bought some code. And they also bought the indexer kind of thing. And that been, became yeah. Google's original product. And then, like, with the advertising platform, I think they bought one of those, too. Yeah. You know, that, that early day stuff, I'm a little shady on because I yeah. was like, damn. But, uh, right. <laughs> you know, ultimately what it comes down to is nowadays Google really isn't the best search engine in terms of I searched for something and I got exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Of how many things are, like, SEO optimized and placed on higher queues because they're paying revenue to get into the higher queues and stuff like that. You know, there was a day when like the first page of, if the, if the first page of Google didn't have it, nobody could find it. Right. Like the chances you found what you were looking for on the second and third page was minuscule because it was so good at finding you exactly what you wanted. But nowadays, I can try and Google something really simple with way more information than I would normally have to give. Like, this video game, this topic about this video game, like, on this platform. Right. And, I mean, I'll maybe have to scroll 20, 30 things to find what I want. And generally, like, if you're looking for a text article, like, say, I do this all the time with making, like, mead. Mm-hmm. I get, like, 15 brew tubers yep. that come up first because they want you to watch something on YouTube. Exactly. You'll get something like that, or you get all of these paid websites that right. are either locked behind a subscription or they're, you know, doing something like that. And it's like, oh, hey, come join our community so you can go see what this person said on our forums. And yeah, it's exactly. Like, no, that's not what I want. I, I want you to take me to something like a Reddit or a free blog that's talking about this thing. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to find those. I mean, even a lot of times their video suggestions aren't even accurate. No, they're not. It's uh, the and it's, with the introduction, introduction, ooh, introduction with the introduction of the large language mo- models, um, the those LLMs mm-hmm. that are supposedly like AI that aren't they aren't really intelligent. They're they're at best, um, you know 
these kind of specific intelligences i don't think they're really virtual intelligences anymore like you know kind of what's described Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before you know we didn't really have an ai until recently and these are still very specific intelligences they're not really um like actual artificial intelligence or general intelligence which we would think of as Mm -hmm. you know like artificial intelligence well you know i think i think there's a good parallel that can be drawn there because you know things like the public models of chat gpt have all fallen apart they're way less accurate now yep. because of how much learning they've done from people and then trying to push particular sources of knowledge and stuff like that. Same thing's happened to Google. Yep. If you want to get, if you want an opinion about a topic that's maybe not the most common, like you want to say, I don't want um, how this thing is healthy for me. I want how this thing is unhealthy for me. Because there's tons of foods and products that are like that, where it's right. like, you know, Spinach is a good example. Spinach is full of a lot of vitamins. Spinach is in many ways very healthy for you. Really great for you if you have certain things that are good for you. Yeah. With spinach. I I forget the exact chemical, but it's like taurine or something like that. It's incredibly high in that, which is very inflammatory. Like to an extreme degree. Yep. Like a food that is considered high in, again, I'm going to say taurine, but that might not be the chemical I was looking at. It has has a lot of purines in it, too. Yeah, yeah, not the purine, because the purines are are issues, but only for like people with particular medical conditions. Yeah, with like gout or something, which that's why spinach is a problem for me. Yeah. I I have it every now and then. Yeah, but like these taurines or whatever they're called um, are just flat out inflammatory. Your body can handle about, you know, 200 milligrams of this stuff a day. That's how much your kidneys can get out of you. And one serve a small serving of spinach, like literally a half a cup of raw spinach. And, you know, most people would not consider half a cup of raw spinach a serving of spinach. Most people are having like a big spinach salad or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's got 600 milligrams. Yep. And like another like, oh, this is really high in taurines. You should maybe be careful is something like, you know. Uh, beetroot, or not the, yep. the um, what are they? Not the roots, the leaves, the beet stems, and those are a hundred. Yeah, like hundreds already incredibly high. Spinach is like five to six hundred. So, like for certain people, hey, maybe spinach isn't that healthy. But if you search like spinach unhealthy, you don't. Oftentimes, you don't even get the unhealthy. You get the actual healthy articles. Right. Um, and even then, you know, it's hard to find that research, even though it's there. Um, because again, so many things are search engine optimized, and there's right. so many health places who are going to write, "Here's one of our top superfoods. Go eat spinach," that it just overwhelms that algorithm, I guess, or however that works. So, but you go, you go hit another search engine, you can find it. Yep. Because they're not receiving as much money from things being optimized or paying for top slots. You know, the the uh, that still really irks me that. You can just pay for your website to be the first result on Google. Yep. Like those first couple of slots now are based off of who's paying Google the most and not who has the most accurate information. And they don't even hide it with like the or show up like it's like ad anymore or anything like that. It is literally just like ad then first slot. And oftentimes the ad and the first slot are the same thing. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 worst part here is Google and Apple like trading money back and forth mm-hmm. to like get each other to that this kind of goes back to this thing that i had like earlier google used to be the company that said do no evil apple never really said that like but they had like some 
some things where they had some ethics at one point in time. And now both companies talk about being green and all this other stuff, but really what they're doing is they're driving innovation in a way that seeks profit and not that betters the world. Yeah. And I have I mean, a lot of problems with that. Yeah, I mean, look at what they're doing to YouTube. I mean, yeah. they're... Uh, I have a YouTube premium because I use their music service. Yep. So I don't normally notice ads, but I've started... Um, Instead of swapping computers at work on my lunch, I'll just get off the corporate network, get on my home network, and watch my YouTube videos there. But I don't sign into my account uh, because I don't want like my personal logins and stuff saved right. to my work computer. So I'll start seeing these ads, and it's like, man, I'm watching a 10-minute video, and there's just ad after ad after ad. And this isn't the like ones that people place in themselves because you can see those normally yep. on the bar. This is just their new ad platform. And it's like what is this i was watching we pay for um some streaming i think it's amazon prime like we pay for prime and i'm sitting down i'm watching a movie and there's commercials in it right and it's like why are there commercials in my movie that i'm streaming as part of a service i pay for yeah because it's it's not free with prime anymore it's free as a like with ads with prime yeah or free it, like like that's and that's the same problem i had with hulu and that's the same problem I have with services like um, uh, um, not Spotify, even though Spotify does it on their free account. What is the other one that's just like a radio station that um, it, anyways, there's another music service that's been around for forever. And, um, you know, my wife, Venus, loves it. And um, not Spotify, just not Spotify. It's uh, mm-hmm. um, anyways, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Drawing a blank right now, but that's the same sort of like concept here, right? It's not, it's seeking profit. Um, and look, there's a balance. I don't want to be like one of these people that's, that is, well, you can't have, like, you should never have profit. You should never make money, anything like that. But there's a certain point where you've made so much money. You've become Nintendo or Disney or whatever. Mm. You've made so much money that you literally can't fail at this point. You could make whatever. You can make Mario an open like thing, and anyone could use yeah. Mario in anything and still have enough money to run for like 100 years mm-hmm. and develop games and do whatever, make movies or whatever, and run your theme parks and do all these other things. And literally... You're just trying to make line go up instead of saying, you know what, we've got enough. Let's make world go better. You yeah. know, um, that is that's a like kind of place where you're really not bringing other people up. You're saying things like, we want to be a green company. We want to do this. We want to do that. But you're making your you had something so brilliant. The thing that made you successful was so awesome, and you're paying your competitor who can't get this stuff right yeah because you're afraid that they'll do something better than you are now because you suck so bad because all you can think of is how to get profit yeah it's like i'd rather if you know if i'm paying you 15 billion for me to be your search engine i make 20 billion off of doing that so like that still nets me money so yeah. i'm gonna do it you know and it's not even just these big companies i was um 
reading through, there's been some controversy with uh, with Mr. Beast recently. I'm not sure mm, if you've seen that. I don't really follow that generally, but I've I've heard yeah. that he like has overreached a little bit, done some things, and like his food thing had some controversy around it. Oh yeah, like uh, that, his restaurant was like hit or miss. It was one of those first yeah. um, like whatever they call them, the dark kitchens or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, he recently um, took a bunch of money and went to Africa and built a bunch of wells. And uh, that's not, I don't think anyone would say that's a bad thing. No. He just went and provided clean water to tons of people. But um, he was getting chewed out by a particular charitable organization. It's like, you didn't really do this the way you're supposed to do it. You know, there's like best practices for this and you didn't follow them. Just for it to come out that the charity, Terraman, a new one, who they make their money donating um, money and water and stuff to Africa, only give about 20%. Yeah, they don't give all charity. They wanted him to give the money to them, and then they would give the money. They yeah, would, they would keep eighty percent of it, and then they would uh, go build one well instead of yep. the like. I forget how many he made, but like that's that's so prevalent almost everywhere in our society nowadays. See, I, I hadn't heard that, about that. I I kind of like, even though I don't necessarily. Jimmy, the guy that does Mr. Beast, is mm-hmm. from North Carolina. I don't love everything he does, but then he does things like that, and I'm like, you know. He's at least, like, he'll get wealthy and then use his money to do something good. Even yeah. if it's just for a small number of people, he at least is trying. Yeah. And people, I don't know. I, I kind of the same way. I don't watch his videos. But, I mean, there's been a couple controversies over the year that have made me realize that I think people just like to complain. Yeah. Or, like, they, they think they can get something out of it if they, he didn't, did what he did. Because I remember um, he did one thing where he gave, like, somebody a private jet or, like, a really expensive car or something like that. Like, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And people were tearing around. It's like, well, now they have to pay taxes on that because that's an asset. And they were poor, so they don't have the money. And then, like, you just had to come out and be like, guys, when I get when we buy one of these things to give to somebody, we give them the option. They can have the thing. Or the money. Or, or the money. And we'll just sell it and get the that money for them. And, you know, this is what they choose. Like, at the end of the day, I just gave this, like, person who won this contest $200,000. Yep. And you're upset about the method that that happened with, or like I, f- I think he got a bunch of people hearing aids not too long ago, and people got he mad also, at him he about also that. like uh, gave a bunch of people eye surgery. Maybe that's what it wasn't. Well, he he did a hearing aid thing okay. too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you know, so like at least he's going out and using his money for stuff, but it does expose how often like there are bad actors, even in what you would consider charitable, charitable areas. Things, yes, because they they get some percentage of that. Yeah, exactly. And this is this isn't necessarily the same thing, but it should be. Like we should we should be at a point with Google and Apple and Microsoft and all these other companies that like have these statements about how great they are. I mean, IBM, you know, whatever, where they're actually like fulfilling so in the past we had these wealthy people, the they would make libraries, they would do things, they would, mm-hmm. you know, like do all these things. Now, they were terrible people. I'm not justifying them or like saying the wealthy were great, but they would have some sort of legacy where they would go and they'd be like, okay, how do I do that? And they would do, do these like public works projects. And a lot of these companies have replaced those wealthy people because their board of directors are now that. So there's mm-hmm. no like one wealthy person that's trying to do this thing. And they've also just been like oh well since i'm not in the spotlight and no one really knows who i am i don't have to do this i don't have to have a legacy and so we've kind of lost that pressure um for people to to do that and i think 
it's going to eventually get to a point to where they just have the profit. <laughs> they have everything. Mm-hmm. The money's circulating up there. You know, they're paying each other like $18 billion to not do projects. Yeah. And there's just poor people in this dystopian future where, um, you know, nobody really, like the people are working at these companies basically as slaves, not getting paid anything, or they have to pay the company, to, like the, there's a scheme that happens in India with bricklayers where the company provides all the stuff mm-hmm. for the people that work there. And so they go into debt to work there and then they get paid, but the what they owe is more than what they get paid every week or whatever. Um, so they actually just end up increasing their debt instead yeah. of ever getting out of it. And basically they're free labor for this company to make bricks for whatever. Um, I know that I kind of simplified that down. It's a little bit more complex, but that's essentially like kind of some trajectory that we're going towards with this sort of thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think we're really, we're at a crossroads as a nation when it comes down to like the, not necessarily the profitability, but the value people place into things versus what you actually get out of it. Right. Like I think, older generations really valued service in a way that I don't think younger generations do. No, they, you know, like I'm going to admit to you, if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to that restaurant because I want to eat the food that's at that restaurant. I don't need a five-star dining experience. Yep. I I mean, I'm, I'm not joking when I say if every restaurant was a, you walk up to the counter, you place your order, you get your food in little takeaway bag and you go home and eat it. Um, I'd probably be okay with that. I'm not sure I need a bunch of waiters and stuff like that. And that's not to say that like those people aren't important. Those people are important because they're people Mm -hmm. and they need to have a job and they need to have something that they, they're like providing value to. But how many people are stuck in things like retail and food services and stuff like that, that are ultimately working a job that's making a company money but they're not doing anything that's really providing value to other people. I think, though, I know you well enough, just to, to add to that, if you went up to the counter and the person that was working there ignored you for 10 minutes and never acknowledged that you were there, and then when you like kind of said something and they were like, what do you want? The customer service would matter to you in that moment. Yeah, but that that's different. I don't mean like quality of service provided i mean the quantity of the service like i don't need a waiter who comes and checks on me every 10 15 minutes you know i'm happy to grab my food sit down eat it and leave i'll pour my own drink if you've got a fountain or something like that you know like when i walk into a retail store i don't need a bunch of associates standing in every section to answer questions for me you know it's stuff like that um and those people exist because the older generations really wanted that and that helped drive profit into the company and stuff like that. But those also used to be better jobs. Nowadays, the person standing in the clothing section to answer your question about your clothing is not making enough money to live and is miserable. So that was going to be my next thing. I also know you well enough that you would rather pay $10 more for whatever that product is so that that person gets a living wage. They are making enough money to live making a little bit more than enough money to live their needs are being met and they get some of their wants too yeah yeah but i guess i'm getting at like 
I would much rather that person who's miserable and not making very much money and is not really providing me a service I care about could have a job somewhere else doing something that actually is providing like them more money and more like value to society. Like I, we don't have a lot of the big social projects anymore. Like, yeah. you know, we're not out rebuilding every single highway. We're not building new infrastructure. We're not fixing our power grid. We're not doing a lot of these things we could be doing that aren't necessarily profitable, but are good for people. That is very true. And that's kind of what I'm saying too, mm. but also things like food service and stuff like that are important because that's, we don't all have gardens. Oh, we yeah. don't all yeah. have I mean, like, things like that. You need people that like for, forget the toy store, but you need food and clothes and sh clothing and shelter. And so people that work um, at, like grocery stores and restaurants are necessary to keeping our infrastructure running. I mean, so, some of yeah. them, absolutely. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not advocating to get rid of all those positions, but, you know, I think maybe a grocery store is a great example of something that we've almost gone a little bit too far with uh, now, like, the self-checkout stuff. Yeah. Where there's only ever, like, one lane open, and the self-checkouts don't work very well because the self-checkouts are made to basically – be the cheapest, most money-efficient thing possible, not actually as a service any good. So bring me back my people doing my checkout, but you know maybe you don't need to have that person handing out free samples all day. Exactly. Because I don't care about your little sausage sample. That person is there purely for you to try to get me to buy a product I'm not interested in. Exactly. I'm totally on board with you on that. We're, we're I mean, essentially saying the same mm -hmm. thing at that point. That, that would go back to the, like, the food service thing. You go to a restaurant because you need food. Yep. You know, and you go up and you you paid the cashier more money to take your order. You that cashier is happier that they're doing whatever they're doing, mm -hmm. even though that may not be their life aspiration. They're at least making good enough money that they're not feeling stressed. They're not worrying about their kid. They're not having like that sort of bad day. Right. Yeah. And then the cook in the back is making good food, not spitting in it and stuff like that. And they're actually like trying because they're getting paid well enough that they're happy and they're not having mm -hmm. to like worry. I mean, like you, you have this like whole chain of things that are there that we've just lost sight of as a society. Yeah. 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 Too many things, especially in the, the larger franchises and stuff is driven purely from profit. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of great, you know, videos you can find of people who are like maybe chefs at just like regular mom and pop restaurants who take the ingredients from something like a McDonald's and make something so much better. Yeah. Like, it's the same ingredients at the same price point, way better food, because it's being made by somebody who actually likes being a, a chef and not, hey, this McDonald's job is all I can get, and they're not paying me enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, I actually hear McDonald's pay a little bit better now than it used to. But, you know, like, it's still I was making not that great. <laughs> yeah, I was making minimum wage when I was in food services. You know, I did a sort of okay job. But it's probably the worst job I've ever done in any actual job I've had because it was all about, hey, I need this person here in this kitchen. Oh, you want training? That costs money. Yeah. Um, I still remember the first time I made a batch of Chick-fil-A chicken. I just totally effed it up. Yeah. Um, because they didn't teach me how the machines worked very well. And they didn't teach me how to, like, batter the chicken. And well, that was my problem, is it's not battered. It's the, you basically get this big liquid pouch, and you get a powder pouch. And I was like, okay, mix it together, make a wet batter. 
and I was trying to batter them. That's not what they do. Nope. You're supposed to have a whole nother container that I didn't even know it was in the kitchen or where they were putting it to put the buttermilk thing in, and yep. then you do that, and then you dredge it. Yep. Um, so, you know, I can tell you, I, I worked in that little food court in like five or six different restaurants, and none of them gave me more than a 15-minute introduction, and I was working with things that could have killed me if I used them wrong. Yep. That was not a fun job. It, it And, you know, a regular Chick-fil-A establishment, not that I'm defending them, but for all intents and purposes, is reported to be like kind of better than that. They yeah, actually the ones take that are owned by a franchise do do they a lot do, better. Yeah. They do better. They have standards and stuff like that. So not necessarily disparaging that. I mean, it's got its other problems, right? Yeah, I'm not against the brand, but I'm just saying like a lot of fast food runs that way. Yes. Where you are a very replaceable employee that you exist to be a body because they haven't found a way to automate it yet. And they really don't care how much you're, you're making and they really don't care if you're happy. That's exactly what I was about to say. Even at places like that that are a little bit better, because I could hear people making that argument, the, 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 this is a little bit far away from where we started with Google and everything yeah. like that, but it's the same sort of principle. These companies are insanely profitable, and they don't, they've lost, they've just lost the plot. Like, hmm. I mean, the really terrible person of Henry Ford who by all intents and purposes from all things that are said about him, he was very prejudiced. He was not a very nice person knew that in order for him to remain profitable, he had to take care of the people that work for them because they were also his customers. Mm -hmm. That's the end of it. Like if your customers aren't alive, who is eating your food? Yep. You know, and the idea that you're just like, I'm just going to get what I can today. I'm just going to get as many searches as I can today. And I'm just going to make as much profit and move on is so short sighted. It is stupid. I hate when executives do that. There's a couple of times that I've wanted to just like yank a knot in somebody <laughs> that told me something like that. Um, but it is very true that that's kind of where these mindsets come from, Yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, in another dystopian future, Microsoft is acquiring all the video game companies. Mm -hmm. And on Friday the 13th of October, um, it is a day of hope and nightmares because Blizzard, which was already part of Activision and had like things like the Cosby Suite at BlizzCon, yep. which is terrible, um, is now part of Microsoft. So is that better? You know, like, do we actually get, like, back to having, like, good games from them? Or is it going to be all microtransaction-run corporate BS that barely runs on anything because they don't have any testers anymore? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in all honesty, it's not going to get any better. Yeah. You know, Blizzard's been in decline for quite a while. Activision's been in decline. Microsoft has not been doing that great in terms of some of its first-party titles. It lost a lot of its big franchises or people don't care about them anymore. I really think GTA V ruined gaming in the for, like, big AAAs. Be, not necessarily because of what GTA V was, but because it struck a very like at a very interesting time with a very interesting feature set that got people back into large community gaming. Mm -hmm. You know, people did not play GTA five for the last gosh, like what almost 
10 years or something. Yep. It's been out forever. But they've been playing um, GTA 5 online. They've been playing GTA 5 online and all the maps that like people play. Yep. But a lot of, I think, game studios don't look at it from that direction. Where it's like we built a tool set for people to play together again. And people loved it. They look at, man, look at how many shark cards get sold. Yep. Look at how many people buy cosmetics. Look at how many people do this. And they're now looking at those revenue streams, you know, salivating at that idea of profit. And they're making more games like that. But what they don't realize is the reason GTA V was so successful was because it was the only thing doing that. Yep. If you wanted that type of, like, multiplayer shooter world experience where you could just, like, be yourself but also be with other people, that didn't really exist before. Not in, like, the current generation of consoles. You know, MMOs filled that slot right. before, but MMOs have kind of not been trending up. Uh, fewer people, More people want to play things on console in that type of, like, relaxing the couch situation. Like, the MMO market's not tanked, but it's, you know, before... If you wanted that experience, you had to do an MMO. Yeah, or and you had to do it on a PC. There are MMOs like um, Elder Scrolls Online that has have crossplay, and they are on console and PC. Neverwinter Nights. Yeah, but not like a, not really at that. They were not as widely available at that time that GTA right. Five came out. You know, but that's a good example. Like people can go to Elder Scrolls Online and get a similar like fantasy experience. Now, you're not gonna lock people in like GTA did. Because the other thing about MMOs is people don't really give them up. Yep. If you played WoW for eight years, even if you stop, you're probably going to go back. I played RuneScape Classic forever and loved it. I was talking to uh, our buddy Thomas, and he was like, man, I've been thinking maybe I'd want to play that again. I was like, me too. We should ask Joe and see if all three of us should just like start yep. playing it. RuneScape Classic. questing together. Yeah, or EverQuest you know? or whatever one of those like older games are that we all have some sort of nostalgia for. Yeah, exactly. Although... You know? This made me think, because you were talking about this when we were talking about Microsoft. You mm -hmm. said earlier in this episode that you haven't bought a uh, first-party title in a while. You did buy Starfield. I did. Yeah, so that's the only one I've bought, I think, in the last two or three years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that, I, I just wanted to make that disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, even then, I don't – Now, I mean, I guess they, they technically have been acquired by Microsoft, but they were making the game before. I don't consider Bethesda – a like one of the big top top dogs but they they make good games they're certainly not small time like they're not double a but when i the point i was trying to make is like when you start talking the top 10 the nintendo the sony the microsoft, nintendo sony activision, microsoft EA. activision ea or the yep. top five and they got um uh, uh you plays thing the it's the you got epic and yeah you know, epic and like with that. fortnite but i was thinking of um it's not you play <laughs> Ubisoft. Um, yeah, Ubisoft. You got Ubisoft, and um, I think, but I, th but I do think if you're talking about the top 10, I think Bethesda is in the top 10. Really? I don't know. I don't think so. Because you, you have to think, you know, you've got Capcom, you've got Konami, you've got. Okay, you know. so while Capcom and Konami are still up in there, I think that, that like, Bethesda is in the top 10 because I can't think of another one that exists that isn't one of those. So, like, if I take Bethesda out, I still have nine slots. I was counting them on my fingers. So I think Bethesda still is in the top ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'd, I'd argue people like Take-Two are probably larger than them, or BioWare, uh, if BioWare is really doing much anymore. Bi but yeah, but, we'd have to sit down. But Bi BioWare is not a game publisher. That's true. Oh, of course, you know, at that point, yeah, if you're talking like 
not Bethesda, you're talking Zenimax. Yeah. Zenimax might be up Sorry, there. Zenimax is who I was thinking of, not, yeah. not Bethesda. Bethesda is the game developer. Mm-hmm. Zenimax is the publisher. But they're essentially the same company um, in many ways. Yeah, but they've, they're got, they've got strong relations. But now they're Microsoft. So Yeah, now they're Microsoft. <laughs> so, you know, I do think there's there's something to be said that we're really pushing towards this continuous monetization model. I yeah. think is the reason indie game keeps getting a larger and larger chunk of game yeah. sales is because it's hard nowadays in the AAA world to buy a game for 60 bucks and that's all you're expected to pay. Well, I've spent $20 on Vampire Survivors across three platforms, mm-hmm. roughly, and I love playing that game. I just sat down, I play it for like 30 minutes, I have a blast. I can play it on just... The only thing it doesn't have is cross-save across all the things yeah. that I've got. I don't mind paying you know, an extra $3 if like I had a vampire survivors cross save, like connection or something like that, mm-hmm. or like just a PC, you know, kind of thing. I would be all about that. That would be great. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money that goes into video games nowadays that I, I think it's the same thing that we were talking about before. Like how much money does a triple A game cost nowadays? Yeah. In terms of like cost to, to, Millions to get to of market. Dollars. Oh, yeah, it's tons of millions. I mean, and it's all this super high-fidelity graphics at the end of the day. They're not really improving. No. You know, if we're, if we're being very objective, you can take a game from two or three years ago and a game that came out this year, and they don't look that different. Nope. Not in the scope of the millions of dollars in difference to, like, make the game. You and know, And the worst part is, generally, the developers aren't paid that well. No, so they're like, not. It's a terrible industry. Where does all the know? money go? It like, all goes into engine fees as companies paying other companies. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Or like you know, Starfield would be a good example of that. Like Bethesda, I guess for fear they'd mess it up, hired like sixteen companies to help on their game. Yep. It, the credits are crazy long, because there's just like this game company made this feature, this game company made that feature. And, like, that's at least going over to people. But a lot of this is, like, engine fees. And but it's going to that company. Artists. It's not necessarily going to people. It's going that's to the true. company. I mean, those... The company may not pay those people very well that are working on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they are. You know, the industry is very famous for not really compensating people well, which is why I uh, didn't really get into it. Even though, you know, I had skills. I was doing some, you know, indie game work. I never wanted to go AAA, even though I got an offer once. Because it is, it's just a nightmare. They yeah. take advantage of you want to be working on video games to not pay you what you would in almost any other sector. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of dystopia, mm-hmm. Omegle <laughs> shuts down. I'm mm-hmm. just going to make that as a footnote. I'm just going to leave that there. Eventually, you become the villain so much that you just can't sustain yourself anymore. And I think that's probably where all these things are going at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also think that it's just their their model became very dated, and they yeah. didn't ever find a way to break back into the market. Yeah, I mean, it was a useless site that did yeah, useless I things. Mean, it, it shouldn't have existed. It it should it it just is like an an internet meme at this point. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was it was on paper such a great concept. The idea that, hey, you can have a chat room where you can actually just feel like you just have someone there and your webcam's on, you can talk yep. to them and you can learn about people. That's great. But then you release on the internet. Yep. And the internet's <laughs> never going to use your tool the way you want them to use nope. your tool. Never. So I'll, I'll be honest, when I saw they had shut down, I was like, oh, they were, they just now shut down? <laughs> I assumed that we had lost them a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, I mean, this is our Thanksgiving episode was all about the death of something. I mean, because that's what Look, fall is like. Things are dying. They're going back. And then you have winter where everything is dead. And when we come back in spring, it'll be about rebirth. And that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, look, look, it's Thanksgiving. Be thankful for the people you're spending time with. Yep. Those people matter more than products. Yeah. And just uh, just try and remember that. Yep. That no matter what happens to those companies, the people around you are what really matter. Yes, absolutely. Have fun with the people that you're with. Drink a couple of good beers. Maybe make some good beer or mead mm. or cider or wine. Have a good time. And then when it comes back around to it, don't worry about work so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, this has been season uh, season 19. This has been season six, episode 19 of the Beer and Broadband podcast. Slated to come out on November 20th, 2023. It is our Thanksgiving episode, so happy Thanksgiving. And we'll catch you next time.